The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Ben Howard, and I'm drinking rye whiskey. I'm Sarah Becker, and I'm drinking mulled wine. And I'm Bobby Pike, and I'm drinking bourbon. And this is the Movie Gang Podcast Office Christmas Party Edition. Hooray! Yeah, drunk party! Yes, uh, we are talking about... this actually represents the very last of my mulled wine, and I'm very sad oh. about it. Oh, that's so disappointing. That is unfortunate. <laughs> but it wouldn't be uh, the Movie Gang Podcast Christmas Party unless we all recorded this, like, really toasted. So... Yes. That's right. Listeners Much get like a, a special treat of hearing the slurred uh, musings of our uh, movie-watching greatness. So, so it's great. like me on yes. a regular podcast, but now the rest of the cast is joining me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the classiest of movie podcasts. Yes, uh, folks, we are celebrating Office Christmas Party, which is a movie we all, uh, spoiler didn't love, but are taking the opportunity to get very drunk to talk about because... Hollywood is a piece of shit and doesn't want to release La La Land in major theaters. Yeah, it's fine. Emma Stone's going to be on uh, SNL and make everyone think it's coming out this week. But nope, it's only in Los Angeles. So, well, I could have seen it. No one else could have. And that would be a dick move. So we are talking about Office Christmas Party instead. And to celebrate, we are all very, very drunk. Basically, you can blame Hollywood that you have to listen to this shitty episode instead of hearing about a movie you actually (laughs) wanted to go see. So, you know, it's not our fault. Next week's Rogue One, guys. It gets better. <laughs> Woo! It gets, the podcast, movie gang podcast, it gets better. There's been um, on one of my local radio stations. There's they've been advertising a contest recently where the choice is you can win either tickets to see Rogue One or tickets to see the Trans Siberian Orchestra in Dallas. Ooh, and I will be honest, like tough. I'm not one of those people who calls in to you know get tickets but i would have a very difficult time deciding because like well i'm going to have to see road rogue one anyway for the podcast so i'll need those tickets but also trans siberian orchestra that those tickets would win i'll be honest no because the trans siberian orchestra i was like i think we all like love that song and it comes up on our like pandora playlist or whatever and we're like let's see them and then they always tour and they're like four hundred dollars but who They're doesn't want to do some headbanging to Carol of the Bells, man? I mean, it's exactly. just it's fucking rad. So, <laughs> like, like, I get it. It's cool. I mean, Stormtroopers, mm. cool. But, like, headbanging to Carol of the Bells, I mean, I can that get tickets to see win. Stormtroopers for, like, $5 yeah. if I go to the right cinema. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Think think I'd pick the rocking Christmas music on that one. Oh, yes. Absolutely. But before we get into Office Christmas Party, we have to talk about Trailer Corner. We had two major trailer releases this week. We thought we'd have three, but as a recording, the fantastic, the Fate of the Furious, which is the greatest title of all time, trailer has not been released. So we're going to be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming and War of the Planet of the Apes. So first up, Spider-Man Homecoming. This is a very interesting trailer. We follow Peter and sort of his uh, sad... Uh, Teenage life, very John Hughes-esque, while also fighting Michael Keaton as the Vulture. What do we guys think of this trailer? He's so young. He's so little. Baby Spider-Man. I'm so tired of Spider-Man. I can hardly care. I am too, though. I I I think the first Spider-Man film 
I saw in theaters was the second one with Tobey Maguire. Spider-Man Whatever two? that one was called. Just Spider-Man 2, was it? Yeah. I don't even know. That's, that's back before they had needed like a million titles. It's just mm. Spider-Man 2, yeah. And then they redid the franchise with Andrew Garfield. Well, no, they, yes. I take the back. They, they made th- uh, number three with yep. emo Tobey Maguire. Yep. And yes. then they, they restarted the franchise with Andrew Garfield. And now they're restarting the franchise again. And like, I like Spider-Man. That's great, but, how but we... I don't see the need to restart a franchise three times in, a in the first quarter of my life. In... Like, I totally. do not understand. I, I mean, I just like, can't even get excited about this kind of thing because it seems so unbelievably unnecessary. I don't really care how good it's going to be or not be. It's just, why? Why? Why are we still doing this? <laughs> I guess the one thing I'll say that makes me interested is that it's the first Spider-Man that actually feels like it's about teenagers. And it was always technically about teenagers, but it was very clearly 30-year-old white people, like, in a yeah. very not New York high school. You know what I mean? I understand of- that. However, not having read any of the Spider-Man comic books... That's not something that concerns me so much. No, that's totally fair. And there's one thing that's fair about Spider-Man that Spider-Man comic people will tell you, which is that Spider-Man has been an adult for most of his run. <laughs> like, the original Spider-Man where he's in high school is a very small part of Spider-Man. For the most part, he is an adult who deals with adult problems. Well, and I'm but not for sure, some reason, I'm not sure making, we just associate with him in high school. I'm not sure making him younger makes him more appealing. Like... I, I don't for you yeah like I don't I don't know how much of a drive this is going to be for a lot of people I mean it, it could hit a small market I think of really dedicated Spider-Man fans who wanted to see it done in the the growing up the, the actual high school years but I, I don't know I I think that a lot of people have got to be tired of this franchise by now it can't possibly I just am. be me so I, I've never been a huge Spider-Man fan. I'll be honest. Like Spider-Man Two, everyone's like it's the best superhero film of all time. I think all three are just fine. Okay. Right? They're all fine on their own their own levels. But uh, I'm kind of curious because I, the problem is I just kind of want to see Tom Holland in a good teen rom-com more than a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Everything that like becomes Spider-Man, where he's fighting Vulture and doing the classic Spider-Man thing, where he's holding two things together with spider webs. It's like in every Spider-Man movie. Um, that stuff bores me to tears but all the stuff with him in high school like he's kind of a funny guy like he seems like a funny charming actor that i would like to see in like a edge of 17 type movie but him as spider-man i don't disagree okay yeah i don't disagree i mean i yeah i i I think he is gonna do a good job as spider-man I'm just tired of Spider-Man movies. Like, that's not the actor's fault. That's the fault of the studios who keep making them. It's that we've had three different Spider-Mans and a Spider-Man musical happen in, like, the last 12 years. I mean, that's just, like, it's just, it's too much. It's too much of one guy. In 15 years, we've had six Spider-Man. We've had three Spider-Mans in movies and six movies. Yeah. 
Like, I understand remaking a film. I understand that. I don't think it's a bad way to go. But do it after, like, 20 years years have passed. And, and people say that a lot about Batman. Like, there's been a million Batman. But I think the difference with Batman is they always keep kind of making it a little feel different. Where each one feels like another Spider-Man movie. Where it's like, this is the Batman that's campy and silly. And this is the Batman that's more grounded and based. And this one's more dark and Zack snyder You know, or it's like... You can pick your own Batman, where it's like, here's another Spider-Man. It doesn't feel like a new Spider-Man. It feels like another yeah, it, to me. Yeah, exactly. It just, it's another version of the same guy we've been seeing for the past 15 years. It's just, it's getting tired. So, maybe it'll be good. I don't know. Like, I, I just don't, I don't fucking care. That's fair. Do you at least feel like it's interesting in the, in the fact that it's sort of a more diverse cast, possibly that Gwen Stacy's black, that you have a lot, at the very least a lot more black and Latino and Asian characters? Does that make you interested at all? Or is it still just like, eh, it's Spider-Man? I mean, it's cool, but whatever, it's Spider-Man. That, that does make me a little bit more interested, and I was going to say that I am very excited about Mary Jane in this one. Um, yeah, she's either Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy or someone. <laughs> it's yeah. not really clear. I mean, to be honest, I don't know that they said her name in the trailer. I just sort yeah. of assumed because that's his love interest. Or it has been in the last several movies, iterations of the franchise, whatever. Um, yeah. But at that very would least be the trailer presents my that main a, uh, reason a... for wanting to see this movie, I think, is at, the more diverse yeah, cast. At the very least, it seems like it seems like Spider-Man's love interest will be a black uh, female character, which is definitely not normal in the Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always pride people on diversity, and I think that's great. But at the same time, I'm not, I don't think that's enough for me to make me want to go, like, see this movie of my own volition. You know, we might see um, it to do a cast on it, but if I was going to pick the movies I want to see just solely off of my own personal criteria, it, it wouldn't make the cut. I agree. I think I might have to agree, but I wouldn't agree with War of the Planet of the Apes. I'll at least say for myself, I am the biggest fan of these eight movies. I didn't expect that. I actually am too. I'm weirdly into it. (laughs) No, okay. I I actually never got to see, I think it was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the second one. But I saw the first one of this, you know, reboot of the franchise, Rise, yes. And I was so pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Like, I just sort of, I went to go see it with a friend of mine, just sort of as something to see. Let's hang out. Let's go see a movie. Oh, Planet of the Apes. Cool. Yes. And I loved it. I thought it was so good and so well done. And I really need to watch the second one. But I, as, as far as I great. know, they have continued to be really, really good films. Well, and one thing I think the trailer that for this... War looks really good. It looks really good. Mm-hmm. One ambitious thing they've done is that each episode, the human characters change. The first episode, it's um, um, James Franco is the main uh, human character. And the second, uh, it's uh, sort of a mix between Gary Oldman and um, I can't remember his name, but the guy from uh, Fargo season two. And then the third one, it seems like Woody Harrelson is the main human character. And I really appreciate that. It's very clearly like Caesar is the main character. He's a CGI eight played by Andy Serkis. But he's very clearly the main character we are following. He has an arc. He changes. And we know the apes are the most important part of this film. And that's what I really appreciate about this series so far. Is that once again, it seems like they know that humans are important. But it seems very much like they understand that the apes are interesting. And we don't have to keep them off screen or minor characters. It also seems like they're really honoring the originals. Which I like in this this series yeah. so far. I, like, I really feel like they... 
like a lot of times when we do reboots of something that you know we created in the 70s or 80s or something like that we seem to kind of butcher what it was and I do think that this series seems to really be honoring the original Planet of the Apes which I really like I'm really excited about this movie I weirdly like this series so and I didn't expect it to be my thing at all so i'm just like weirdly excited about this movie they they became the thinking i don't want to say like pretentiously but i'm gonna say pretentiously because i'm drunk it's Mm. like really the thinking man's blockbuster and that like i I noticed like people who are more like the cinephile circles are very like snooty about what they pick it's like the blockbusters they go to you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i think it's because they sort of respect that there's a central character who changes over time caesar's a very interesting character i love that by this one, he seems to clearly grasp the human language. Well, the first one, he was barely learning it. For the second one, he's like half learning it, you know. And I think it's just very honest to look at war in a weird yeah. way. It's like sad that one of the best war movies is about apes and humans, but like it really understands war in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. Well, just the way that they talk about it in the trailer, even just you know the the human one of the human characters has this you know monologue going on. Or this voiceover, I guess. And it's, you know, we understand that we created you. We fucked up. Now we gotta kill you. It is... Yeah. Just, ah! And, and, and it seems like this one's gonna end the Caesar trilogy. And, like, if they ever made another one, it would have to just straight up be a Planet of the Apes movie, which I kind of yeah. like. It doesn't seem like they're dragging it out. And it feels like if we're ending this movie, we're gonna end with straight up, like presumably mankind's going to get destroyed, which I think is pretty ambitious well, for a major blockbuster. I love a series that knows when its time has come, you know? Yes. I love something that doesn't try to extend beyond its life expectancy, which is what of so much of our franchises are nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate yeah. that this one, and I could be wrong, but at least seems like it's going to end in a way that's going to wrap everything up neatly but is also going to leave no room to have a fourth within the same arc, which is refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> Comparatively, uh, as we're also I looking remember, at, you know, Fast and the Furious, you know, 14th or whatever the fuck we're looking at now. I, so I remember uh, when... I'm sorry, uh, Bobby, I don't care. I want a million Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> and I'm tired. I'm so tired. I understand. I don't care. I want a million of them. <laughs> Well, I remember when they first started advertising for Fantastic Beasts and where the where to find them. Like at first, I was you know reasonably excited for. It. I was like, oh okay, yeah, you know, new film in the Harry Potter universe, whatever. And then I found out that they're gonna make it into like five movies. And as well, soon as I heard that, more. I they immediately like... lost interest. I was like, fuck this, you know, just you know, yeah. one film for like a book that's like sixty pages long, maybe. I don't want to anticipate Maybe. Harry Potter 28 and I'm worried no. that's basically what we're looking at. Like I'm, I'm 30 years it. from like, now we're looking at like here's Harry Potter 47 and the continuation. Already they the shouldn't have made the seventh just, book into two movies. Like just, that was already stretching it and now making off. this tiny ass book into five films. That's worse than stretching The Hobbit into two movies or three or however. Three. Three fucking three. movies for yeah. children's Which book. Which was stupid. Children's for the book. The shortest in the Middle Earth universe, maybe with the exception of like the Silmarillion or whatever, but in terms of Hobbit and Lord of the Rings 1, 2, 3, the Hobbit is the shortest book. Yep. And they made it the same length as Lord of the all Rings three of trilogy. the other ones put together. That is stupid. I do not understand. It's also Two the most contrite. Understand. 
So yes, you know, three it's is the not worst necessary. thing they could have built still into. No Tom Bombadil anywhere to be seen. <laughs> if they'd sung so a Tom Bombadil, I wouldn't have given a fuck. But they found Jesus. a way to ignore my favorite character and ignore the beautiful song associated with him, and I just can't deal. Okay, okay. All right, I have we, to ask, what are you, about what, Bobby? What are you? Right? No, no, Bobby. What are you talking about? My my father used to sing Tom Bombadil because he read uh, the Lord of the Rings aloud to me. So Tom oh, Bombadil wonderful. has a very specific sound in my brain, and he also right. was my favorite character in the whole book. And they managed to leave him out of the whole goddamn thing. It's irrelevant, right. okay. but interesting. All right, guys, guys, guys. I get it. Nerd rage. We gotta stop. <laughs> We're way off track. <laughs> All right. We are drunk, Ben. Let us I know. We'll, we'll, we will record our episode. How much the <laughs> Hobbit films suck? We'll, we'll we'll deal with that later. Let's do it. Let's deal with Office Christmas. I'm party in. First. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about this shit show. All right. Office Christmas party. Here's the synopsis. When Zenotic, uh, I can't remember how. Zenotech. Zenotech. CEO Carol Van Stun, played by Jennifer Aniston, tries to close the branch of her hard-partying brother Clay, played by T.J. Miller. He and his chief technical officer, played by Jason Bateman, must rally their co-workers and host an epic Christmas party in effort to impress a potential client and close a sale that will save their jobs. This movie sucks. What'd you guys think? It was the most contrite goddamn thing I've ever seen in a really long time. It was a comedic so movie processed. that was not even funny. It was, like, just, it was so canned. I mean, it was everything, like, let's play some techno music and move people dancing in slow motion and call it, you know, a buddy Christmas party movie. And I hated it from, like, the moment. As a comedy nerd, it's so irritating me that every single setup you could guess the end of the punchline. Yes. Every single Mm -hmm. time. Kate McKinnon's a stuck-up boss. Get what? She's going to have, like, a crazy wacky adventure with somebody you know like someone's oh, gonna hire a stripper they're gonna try to bang everyone like ah, exactly. this has never happened before so clearly like just the most processed focus grouped comedy of the year sarah do you agree i i do absolutely agree i i will say i went in i was not disappointed with this movie but it was because i went in with incredibly low expectations and that's exactly what happened i went in thinking i was gonna get to look at some beautiful people that was the best part of this movie is i got to look at some really beautiful people that's all i got that's the nicest i will say though there was a line at the beginning that was really unfairly misleading to me as a lesbian uh, Jason mm. Bateman was speaking to his co-worker, Olivia Munn, at the beginning about this office Christmas party. And she said something along the lines of, my girlfriend knows so-and-so involved with this sports team. I was like, oh, your girlfriend. Are you gay? No, no, she meant girlfriend in the outdated no. sense of my friend who is a girl. We oh, don't God. speak Olivia like that Munn anymore. Was, it, it's not her fault. I think she does a very good job in the movie as best she can. I'm not the hugest Olivia Munn fan, so I'm, I'm saying this at the honest place of heart. That, mm-hmm. like, she she tried her best with the terrible character, but as soon as you see her character, she's like, she's going to make out Jason Bateman at the end of the movie. You know that's fucking going to happen. Yes. Like, literally within yes. the first scene, and that's what drives me so nuts about this movie it is literally the like 
Do you remember when you were a kid, you had those like stupid drawings that were just like dots, and you would just connect the dots, and you were like, "I made a painting." Like you felt like weirdly. I like, liked you were those. Talented. Okay. I loved them too, but I was because I was a bad drawer, <laughs> and I couldn't draw. And that's what it felt like to me. It's just like it's so clearly connect the dots of like, hey, here's like a pretty lady who loves Jason Bateman. I bet they're gonna make out by the end. Yep, they did. Oh, okay, they did. Great. Yes. And that's what drove me crazy so much about this mm. movie. I just was so bothered by how shallow every single part of it was. I mean, the the plot felt entirely thrown together around this idea of we just really want to have a party movie and we really want to have an excuse to like throw champagne in people's faces and actually get to use an eggnog luge for some goddamn reason. And we really would like someone to try to Tarzan swing using Christmas lights. And yeah. we have no way. And we would of... really like somebody to stick their dick in a 3D printer. Yeah, we have no way. That of... That's the thing. Oh we don't God, have a way a of thing. making that happen organically. So let's just make this fucking movie where it makes no sense that any of these things happen. But like, it felt like it was written by a bunch of college students who really wanted to have like that one yes. quintessential party where they all got laid and their nerdy, nerdy personas were validated by the fact that some hot women were going to show up and they were going to get to like meet rappers and just like experience all of their fantasies all in one go. And it just, it was, it was like someone who really wanted to have that college experience and who never did just kind of masturbating into a script. It, it I will so say weird this because... though: this movie made me miss college parties. <laughs> weirdly, I will say that. weirdly, 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 like, I missed the barfing and the fighting. So yeah, which was most of the a, movie. It's, hmm. it's that hyper versionalized version of it where it's like they're literally jousting with flaming Christmas trees and throwing. Uh, vending machines out of windows yes mercifully that like, did not happen at any of the college parties i attended and it I was can't like speak for it was you but making out was very accurate but it was a little yes. extreme to me it was all there was one college them, party where i was making out with someone dressed as troll face and someone dressed as poison ivy at the same time so you know it, <laughs> it happens <laughs> well and i mean plus they got like the inflatable like characters of the snowman to like do like a hip-hop style dance to it's just like it's every viral video you've seen in the past three years like Absolutely. thrown into a movie mm-hmm. like we had the ice luge that he basically ended up like jason bateman ended up deep throating for no yes. goddamn reason there was no reason for the ice luge to turn into a penis why 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 did we turn it into a penis because it definitely was and, and that's where it felt like it was so like focus group to me this, this, this comedy felt so focus group because it was like let's have one super raunchy joke that's not super raunchy where like he's kind of blowing a ice luge and gets cum in his mouth but it's technically eggnog you know it's like it felt so planned to me that's what mm-hmm. drove me so crazy about this film it really everything felt like planned and focus grouped and tested to me see what i think this genre is and i really think at this point we should probably just call it its own genre is this is like housewife party movie because we also have like the 50 shades of gray franchise and stuff like that and like this sort of movie is literally (sighs) just like your bored housewife sexually repressed need to blow off some steam film we're going to have some raunchy jokes. Is it not frat boy party movie? You know, I don't think this movie is meant for men. I, I, I Interesting. I, and, and that could be my own interpretation of it, but I think with the uh, the 3D printer dick joke 
and I think the uh, the oh the god, char- that, uh, can I just can I just take a second? Like this is what drives <laughs> me about the movie. There's no jokes. The joke of the movie is that he puts his dick in a 3D printer, and that's it. Yeah, that's the There's joke. Nothing else about it. The joke is that he put his dick in a 3D printer, and you're supposed to laugh. Yeah, and that drove me insane. And people were putting their tits on the copier, and like putting their ass on the copier, and like ha ha ha, like office Christmas party. Like this is a thing that happens. Okay, this happens nowhere. Let's be honest about it. No one's Christmas yeah. party is like this anymore. <laughs> Rarely people go to a company that has enough money that is willing to blow this on someone. So this is a fantasy mm-hmm. we've created right. for ourselves from the get-go. Oh, God. Don't make me start in the fucking, like, deus ex machina. This and it just it feels like something that was solely created for, like, women who want to blow off some steam. This is kind of like your bad mom's version of a <laughs> Christmas movie. You know, like this is yeah. geared towards a demographic and I think it's geared towards, you know, 30 to 40 year old women who just hmm. really would like to kind of get jiggy with it, but uh, <laughs> are not willing to go to a strip club. I, think I really hope I'm I, I not laugh into this you're... kind of movie in the next five to 15 years. <laughs> I, I laugh because your term of verbiage is actually very accurate. I, I just like, think that's what a, they a call it. A 30 year old mom would totally say jiggy with yeah, it. They'd yeah, they'd go get jiggy with it and they couldn't go... Go to, you know, swingers or some sort of like uh, banana hammocks or something like that. So instead that you go see this movie and, you you know, go see a penis on a 3D printer and voila, there's your sexual titillation just, for the month. Just rewatch Magic Mike. Like, well, why is, I just think that's better. I think that's better than what, what no, just happened. No, ma- I will say Magic Mike XXL is a wonderful movie. <laughs> it is a glorious depiction of sexuality for men. It is a wonderful movie. I did not see the sequel, actually. The first one, briefly, made me question my sexuality, actually. (laughs) So I I will say, Sarah, the second one will... It's not terrible. The second one may be your version of conversion therapy. It's mean as I (laughs) (laughs) It is the sexiest movie about... I actually had a nightmare about conversion therapy about six weeks ago. It was terrifying. (laughs) Uh, that's it's right. actually terrifying. Horrible. I'm not condoning it. I'm taking a joke. Converse therapy is horrible. I just I think that's like all the same genre, though. Like, I think this whole like emerging genre that we're seeing from Hollywood of like the young mom is really getting popular. And the young mom is now think, stretching between right like because... our 30s and our 40s. And that's like the, you know, I didn't do anything wild when I was younger. And now I have a couple of kids and I'm married. And this is my way of blowing off my steam. And that's why we're making these movies. Because we have like all this titillation from movies like Gone Girl and Girl on the Train, where you have all this sexual tension very much geared towards women. And then we have things like the Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey series and like this movie. And I feel like it's all aired towards the same group of women, this 30 to 40 young mother just looking to relive her college days and this is the only way she can and it's not fun for me to watch at all i think it's trite and boring as fuck but then again i've discovered porn so you know if i want that i can watch it on the (laughs) internet for free so well well, that's why we're we're admittedly a bunch of kinky ass motherfuckers and that's why Hmm. 50 shades of gray makes us laugh because it is so trite in that sense because like you watch the trailer for the new one and it's like they don't even have kinky sex in the fucking trailer for the new one and i know the last movie ends with them getting a fucking baby you know and it's just romance novels with this slight sense of kink so i think you're right it's like but I think that's this the genre new... we're looking at with this movie. I think that's why it's, it's so just slightly shallow. off base. Yeah. 
it's slightly off base enough that it's not offensive but it's no like, oh, cool. like you could theoretically take your mother to this movie and it wouldn't be the worst thing you ever sat through like right i'm not saying i recommend that but i'm saying you could and it wouldn't be horrible well right. i have to ask sarah something sarah are you okay. mad that kate mckinnon hasn't been able to or do you feel that she should be able to or do you think it's just sort of forcing it if she does not have a lesbian relationship in her movies. I know she definitely wanted one for Ghostbusters and couldn't. And I felt like this movie would have made a lot more sense if she had a lesbian relationship with like the girl who like uh, unbuttoned her top or something like that. You know, I felt like her sort of story about the sexual harassment was just awful. But it was. I- I'm just kind of curious, Sarah. Do you feel like Kate McKinnon should be allowed to have more sort of lesbian storylines in her movies? I think she should. I don't necessarily feel that it was missing from this movie as much as I felt that it was missing from Ghostbusters. Because Ghostbusters Ghost... definitely felt like it. Yeah, the thing about Ghostbusters is there were so many lesbian jokes surrounding Kate McKinnon's character that it was very obvious that they wanted to have more of a lesbian relationship there and they didn't or they couldn't. This one, the character was not necess- not necessarily written to be gay. I mean... She had a minivan and five parrots and a non-denominational Christmas sweater. So maybe she should have been. But it felt... I mean, it wasn't a Subaru. It was a Kia. So if it had been a Subaru, <laughs> If it had maybe, been a Subaru, yes. I totally felt the same way, Kara. When, when she said Kia, I was like, oh, you didn't say Subaru. It's yep. not the gayest car you could have picked. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, no, I... Um, it was... It was... It was okay for this character not to be a lesbian, more okay than it was for her character in Ghostbusters not to have that moment. Fair enough. I think that's fair. Because you're and right, in Ghostbusters, th- it's very clear they cut out the lesbian subplot that they yes. that she wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Particularly with, like, when you see, like, uh, now we're talking about Ghostbusters, but when you see, like, uh, uh, the woman who played Alien, I'm so sorry, I'm drunk. Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Uh, as character, it very clearly is like a uh, former lover of hers. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character in Avatar was originally meant to be a lesbian. Interesting. That would have been better. Yes. I would have liked that. She was meant that. to have had a relationship with a, uh, a Navi. A female mm. Navi. That would have been and then, great. I don't remember if she was there or if she mm. like got killed off or something. Probably got killed off if they were uh, lesbians. I would but, like uh, that. They changed well, the well, script. But yeah, it yeah. would have been good. Yeah, she died technically in Avatar, but she's still like in the home tree. So I think she can bring her back at some point. And I feel like they're yes. going to because she's always talking about like being an Avatar. Yes. Oh boy, we're talking about Avatar now, guys. We're a <laughs> Where's our Avatar 2? It's only a matter of time. It's, it's supposed production, right? Yeah, it's supposed to come out 2018. Like, there you but go. I wrote an interview with, uh, with 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 uh, Sigourney Weaver, who was like, "We haven't shot literally any of the script. We shot a lot of test footage. Okay. We literally shot none of the script." And it's, I don't know. James Cameron is so fucking. Weird. We have to keep talking about other things because there's nothing to talk about with Office Christmas Party because it's That's so true. shallow. It's so frustrating because it is so clearly a. As much as people shit on the Seth Rogen movies and they are fair to shit on, I feel like they're at least a little bit more interesting in this movie. I'm and so disappointed with so Jason clearly. Bateman. I'm so sad for him. Why, 
why is he I doing know. movies yeah. like this? I really like him as an actor. Why? Why, Jason I Bateman? Why? And do you know He's what? He's very I actually, much a has to be in the right role kind like, of guy. Why? I uh, I did no no research into this movie. I don't even think I saw a trailer for this movie. Maybe one. But I forgot he was in this movie, and so when I saw him, I was like, "Oh, he's the protagonist. That's cool. I like him. This might be better than I thought it would." No, no, no it was he not. He does the same. Was, Jason. Bittman it was exactly shit. what I thought it was going to be. He has let me the down since shit. Arrested Development, and it's never gotten better since then. He was it good really at Zootopia. Hasn't... Okay, he was good in Zootopia. Voice acting, he he's good, good at, but like I've yes. been disappointed since I watched Arrested Development, and I'm. Hoping I, that that eventually he finds his role, but this this is not it, and I'm sad hmm. for Olivia Munn because I'm sad she's associated with it, and I am sad for Jennifer Aniston because she is a beautiful unicorn of a human being, and I don't want her in this. <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts of the movie was when she was a badass with the Eastern the Krav European Maga, drug dealers. Like, I would watch an entire movie of Jennifer Aniston yes, being a that's, prop that's Maga what I badass. want. I just want her it to be a badass. It was one of the few moments I would have laughed at if it wasn't in the trailer. There's two moments that I probably would have laughed at, which was, was uh, Cecily Tyson. I mean, uh, Cecily Tyson, I'm sorry. I, I'm drunk, so I don't remember the character's name. My apologies. But the woman who was like, oh, you're fucking the stripper woman. Can you get off of her motorcycle? That made me laugh. And the other moment that one made me laugh, it was in the trailer, was her being like, and Jason Bateman was like, yeah, she's made of salad and smart water, and you're getting your ass kicked by her. And that made me laugh. My yeah, ass no, off. that was, was in the trailer. The nicest, pro- probably the nicest moment in the whole film. Like, the best, mm-hmm. like, comedic moment was Jennifer Aniston taking down a bus- bunch of Russian mafia men i don't know what we're supposed to call yeah. them but even that felt like like the first part was very good but then even the second part felt like fan service at a certain point yeah it's it just like, i, I like the bit when she's you know referencing jason bateman's character in i'm gonna assume russian it may not have been russian it may have been some other eastern european language whatever and she's like he's wearing a woman's coat take pity on him yeah like, <laughs> that, was like that was funny and it was good to see aniston in a in a dark role I do agree. Yes. I love to seeing like her a play a mega bitch, and that's what she was. I mean, she was mm-hmm. powerful. She was self-assured. She was in control. She didn't have any of the usual, um, like, self-doubty uh, female thing that she usually ends up playing. So I loved seeing her in that kind of power role. And I love that they threw, like, a Krav Maga background into her character. That was super fun. But It's, it's, it's who Rachel should have been. But it's not deep. You know, it's not no, like, yeah. all that interesting. It's interesting compared to the superficiality of every other character in that movie. But yeah, like, she was pro. I would say she's the best character in this film. I would agree. I think she was I, definitely I, my I favorite. I really don't like Jennifer Aniston. I would agree one hundred percent. Yeah, I just I want. Totally I just want to look at her. How has she aged like an angel? I mean, I just <laughs> is the Avino really working? Because I should invest. <laughs> It's it's uncool how good she looks, and I just I want to look at her beautiful face, her non wrinkly beautiful face that looks better than she did in the Friends era. That's all I want to do. <laughs> uh, gonna spark. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm gonna at all. bathe myself in a bathtub of Avino if I can even slightly <laughs> look like that. I'm gonna spend my fortune on it. Yeah, and I guess that's just what frustrates me. It was nice to see like someone like 
Jennifer Aniston play like a darker character, but then it's tough for me to see someone like who I love, like T.J. Miller, who's so funny as Ehrlich Bachman and playing the same fucking character he plays on Silicon Valley, but with Seriously, way worse jokes. It's a Silicon way Valley worse thing. Jokes. I mean, like, how is he the same person in both this movie and but that he has show? Way worse writing, right? Yeah, so shallow and shitty. I mean, just just an empty character that they filled with like all of these somehow daddy issues and weird yeah. incestuous sister issues and weird <laughs> introspective like i don't like myself issues like how did we get all of those into one character in the most superficial movie i've probably seen in five years so and that's the thing is i think i would have appreciated more of an animal crackers marx brothers ass like we're just having a fucking christmas party and we're all drunk and we're all having fun and it's more of a sh- even shallower version of the script would have appreciated more because I feel like by trying to tell this like sentimental story, it like ruined the movie for me because it was so cliche in the way it was like, well, clearly Olivia Munn is going to hook up with Jason Bateman's character and clearly her magic formula for getting internet through the, through the fucking wife, through the fucking power grid, which makes no fucking sense, but None. that doesn't matter. But, like, Some you know as soon as she brings that up that that's going to work in the last third act. Like, every single thing, from every joke to every character to every beat to every personality is paid off in the way you absolutely expect. And that's what drives me I just, crazy about this movie. I really wanted, like, an animal house out of this movie. And basically what I ended yeah, up like getting more was, anarchic, like... like, more fun. Well, and I got, like, your shitty alcoholic version of Pineapple Express. <laughs> you know? Like, it was... It was shallow. Like, I mean, yeah. I love me a stoner film. Don't get me wrong. But, like, yeah. this doesn't even have the humor of your quality stoner film. I mean, this is no, you know, White Castle sort of movie. This is no White Castle. And I agree 100%. We could have done this for alcohol. This could have been the White Castle of drinking. And it, it just, just <laughs> bombed. It was so, so bad. <laughs> I think I killed Ben. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and you went right over Sarah's head. That was very funny. I watch a All lot right. of stoner films for funsies. For funsies, it, it, listeners. Well, Sarah, just for funsies. Sarah Bobby no is very, very right in that, like, you could have done, like, it. The, the beauty of, like, Harold and Kumar goes to White Castle is this Harold and Kumar fucking go to White they Castle. They get there. It's the entire plot of that fucking movie. And this movie is all, like, pathos and sibling relationships and people getting together and it's just like so fucking stupid where it's like just give us the anarchic stupid version of this movie and it would be actually better than the dumb version which you gave us where you're trying to give pathos and crap and it's just so irritating where's my neil patrick harris on a unicorn screenwriting yes like give me neil patrick harris shirtless pretending to be straight (laughs) sticking his head out of the sunroof (laughs) making out with some chick okay like i like i'll take trash don't get me wrong like i love my trash movies but i mean just just give me the bullshit and yeah. this was bullshit trying to make be itself aware that like it's elevated. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It tried to be better than bullshit and all it was was bullshit. Absolutely. And Absolutely. drinking movies just aren't as good. It was shit without the bowl. Like if I'm going to compare like our drinking movies to like the stoner movies and the genre, 
like there's a clear deficit when it comes to the drinking movies. They're just not as good. I mean, what do we have like that beer pong movie from what, like 2009 <laughs> oh, or yeah, something I don't wanna... like that? It was just some. I'm not a Broken Lizard fan. So, yeah, you're definitely not going to give me like defending fucking, you know, beer fist. Yeah, that movie. that bullshit movie. It just yeah. your your alcoholic movies are so much worse than your stoner films, and this movie just kind of like re reminded me of how shitty that genre is. Your drinking movies mm-hmm. are not nearly as good as your smoking movies, and if I want to watch a comedy that fits into like an inebriated genre, that's that's not the one I want to watch. And Office Christmas See, Party just solidified movies, that. When I think of drinking movies, I think of like. Twilight, because the only circumstances under which I will watch it is if I'm playing a drinking game to it. And it makes it so much better when you're playing a drinking game to it. Yeah, that would help get through that film, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we broke Ben. <laughs> you broke Ben. We did, it's over, it's gone. We've... It's ruined. <laughs> All right, let's... Let's go to this movie before I lose my mind. <laughs> All right. Bobby, what do you give Office Christmas Party? I mean, okay. I honestly give Office Christmas Party a two. Like, wow. it is. But I, fi- I understand. It I understand. is It is such a nothing of a film. I, I really can't say anything good about it. Its cinematography is shaky and misdirected and unclear its acting is amateur hour and uninteresting its writing is pedantic and doesn't fit any of the good things about an intoxicated genre that could exist there was so much more that could have been in this film that simply wasn't the plot seemed irrelevant the best part of it was looking at olivia munn and jennifer aniston and if that's (laughs) all i have to go on for two hours then that's just not a film to me that's not that's not worth my time. I would never recommend anyone go see this, not even on DVD. It's just not worth the time in your life you could spend doing so many other things. It's, yeah, it's a two. Wow. All right, Sarah, what do you give the All right. party? Oh, shit. <laughs> Um, for for all of you listening to us gentle viewers, Ben's microphone just fell over. And it was I'm very um, drunk. <laughs> I uh, I give it a three for exactly all of the reasons Bobby just described. But I reserve pers- I personally, there is nothing wrong with Bobby's ranking system whatsoever. For my own personal ranking system, I reserve twos for films that outright offend me or make me feel like particularly uncomfortable this did not do that it just wasn't good or enjoyable uh i i I say again i went in with really low expectations and those really low expectations were meant were met so i cannot say i was disappointed but i was by no means impressed at all have no desire to see again or recommend to anyone else either 
Yeah, I'm I'm on the similar page as Sarah here, bro. It's like it, it, it doesn't make me mad, but it's just so clearly just a, a, a corporate vehicle. It is so clearly just focus group to the T. Even the raunchy jokes feel like well, we have to have one raunchy joke for the 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 dark, you know, PG thirteen R rated movie. You know, I don't know what this is rated, but plus the advertising it for was Fiat. R. They asked me for my ID. Did y'all catch that yeah. ad for Fiat like in there? Oh God! Like there was a fucking Kia ad where she was like, if God drove an ad, it would be Kia. I was like, come oh, on. Just fuck, fuck off. <laughs> fuck I off. think if it had yeah. been Subaru, it might have gone up to a four, but alas. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was the thing. It was it wasn't subversive enough. Even if there was like jokes that I liked, where it was like, oh, hey, we're doing like a mommy like play joke. Like it wasn't done well or interesting. It was very clearly a a script written by people who were trying to write a script that was going through like I don't know college. It felt like I, I agree with Bobby where she was saying it felt like a college script where it was like. We are doing the basic acts. We are following the plot. And it was so formulaic that it drove me absolutely insane. So I, I agree. It is it is definitely a three, which brings us to an overall score of three. <laughs> three stars. Party. Sorry, Office Christmas Party, this but I think be, we all agree it was pretty boring. This may be the lowest rating of the movie game podcast. I think I think Hardcore Henry was also. I think <laughs> it and Hardcore okay. Henry. I are was on not the same there level. for that cast. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, I think they're on the same level here. That that was me, uh, Peter, and Jack agreeing that this was shitty version of a video game movie. <laughs> At least this one Fair. wasn't basically shot on a GoPro, so you know. Oh yeah, God yes. <laughs> These had real cameras. <laughs> I am so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he knocked over his mic again. <laughs> All right. Let's see if I can read this fucking <laughs> If one of us needs to take over, you just let us know, Ben. <laughs> I'm very drunk. I can wait There's been a lot of brown liquor happen up in this podcast. And it has really improved everyone's mood. Indeed. We got that yeah. going for us. Yeah. Indeed it has. <laughs> it's the only way to talk about such a shitty movie. But really, though, I mean, like, I really wish I was just incredibly drunk for the whole thing. I think it would have made it better. <laughs> okay. You know, I uh, I saw this movie at Starplex because that meant I could get my ticket for about $5. But I almost went to go see it at Movie Tavern for the sole reason that I could get alcohol at Movie Tavern. I think it would have helped. While watching it. But the <laughs> the cheaper ticket price appealed to me at the end of the day. Also the fact that I have an AMC Stubbs app on my phone, so I got points for seeing it towards the next time I go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why am I hosting this so Okay. We're going to do this. We're going to finish. God damn it. We're going to make it through this podcast. It's going to be good. Jack's We're almost gonna... done, Ben. You can do it. Jack will be okay. so proud. I believe. <laughs> All right. Last week, we had a bet of what the Rotten Tomatoes score was going to be for Office Christmas Party. I bet 65. Sarah bet 83. Peter bet 27. The ultimate score was 43. We had a very interesting moment. Where both me and Peter were actually exactly apart, which is kind of amazing. Math was cool. Technically, Peter won, mm-hmm. but I 
am the only one on this podcast who technically won, so I will give the rant. I have no rant, but it will be fun because I am drunk as fuck. We will get there. But next week, we have the bet of what will be the Rotten Tomato score for Rogue One. The early reviews are pretty solid, but early reviews can be tricky. Batman vs. Superman was pretty solid and ended up being 27 on Rotten Tomatoes. So, what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score for Rogue One will be? Bobby! I think that Rogue One is going to have a lot less viewers than the seventh Star Wars. I think that uh, in the end, after some introspection, a lot of people were disappointed with the new Star Wars. And I think that there will be less viewership for this film in general. And I also think that people's expectations are going to be a little harsher going into this movie because it's not just the brand new reboot of Star Wars. I feel like the kind of content they put forward is going to be analyzed much more intensely. So as a result, I think I'm looking at like a 73%. So significantly less than our previous version, but still on the positive side, I just think that people are gonna be a lot harsher on this film than they were on the last one. And as a result, I think it's gonna disappoint a lot of people. All right, Sarah, what do you think? Bobby, what number did you actually give? 73. She said 73. 73. I missed that. My bad. Uh, that's okay. I heard the, the number. I, I managed to figure the it out. The alcohol clouded the number for me. I heard everything else. I just yeah. didn't hear the, the numbers. I'm going um, to drink free from the bottle. <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus. It's going well. Yep. I, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a 75. Wow. Close. Keeping it low. Yeah. Ben. <clears throat> I, I don't have as much reasoning as Bobby did. Or rather, it's about the same reasoning that Bobby did. <laughs> but I'm going to give it a slightly different number. I'll take credit for it. Cool. Watch it be 74. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I went a little higher than you. I think it's going to be less than Force Awakens, but I do think there's a reaction to Force Awakens where I think people o- know they overrated that movie. Uh, personally, I think a lot of people do believe that they were right on that movie, but I think in general, most people feel like they're kind of more what Jack was, where it's like a 6 out of 10. It was good. It delivered what it was supposed to, but I think Rogue One, from the early reactions, sounds like it's a little bit more dark, a little bit more clever. Maybe not perfect, but one of those movies that I think will get the kind of reaction it's supposed to, so I'm going with 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. Remember Chewbacca? Remember the Tarzada? Remember Anakin Skywalker? Remember? Remember the Bothans? Remember? Remember? <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I actually I still stand by my original rating for uh, um for the Force Awakens, and I think I will not like Rogue One as much as I like the Force Awakens. Interesting. Believe it or not, I'm really I'm looking the kind of fucking asshole who wants dark, depressing Star Wars, even though it's not what it was supposed to be ever. But I'm fine with that. I mean, I, I, I hope that I'm wrong, and I hope that, that this is even better than Force Awakens, but just from what I've seen, I I, I I don't know. I was more excited for Force Awakens than I am for Rogue One. To be honest, until maybe about six weeks ago, I, for some reason, I thought Rogue One was just going to be like a TV movie, and we were reviewing it, but then come to find out it was like an actual movie, <laughs> and I didn't know that that was like a thing. It was gonna be a real thing. Yeah, I don't know a, why. I missed that step somewhere. <laughs> it's not Ewoks. 
the adventure continues or whatever it's called. <laughs> no, this is a, a full movie. Remember the Ewoks? Remember? 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 <laughs> Am I missing a South Park joke here or something? Remember when yeah, people so couldn't be openly racist for no goddamn good reason? Remember? <laughs> South Park did a whole bit about member berries, which is like nostalgic. Oh. Um, I have can we all just Park. admit Wine that J.J. Abrams' new South new Star Wars wasn't that good? Can we all just admit it? I agree with no, Jack. No, I liked it. I agree with Jack. I say 6 out of 10. It's solid. It delivered what it was supposed to, but it was okay. I agree, too. I actually thought it was totally solid, but I can see how people's ratings could drop after some introspection. Sarah, you said you're similar. You're just like, you like it. You love it. I still really like it. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I'm sorry, I Sarah. I won the bet because Peter isn't here. He's on his fucking birthday. He's having more fun with his other friends. Uh, he has Who other friends? has those? I mean. I don't. Who has friends? <laughs> He's hanging out with us on his birthday. It's ridiculous. What a dick. I know. Oh, <laughs> Happy birthday, Peter. We love you. We do. Still totally uncool that yeah. you have friends We're outside of us. We're just jealous of your social we'll, life. We'll forgive you yeah. later. But yeah, te- te- technically, Peter won the bet with uh, 27%. It was actually 43% for us Christmas party. But I'm the only one on the podcast that was closest with 65%. So I'm going to rant. God damn it. And I'm drunk. So get ready. <laughs> okay. So here's my rant. Okay. Listen. I- I've taken the <laughs> podcast. I've taken the mic and it is now mobile. He's making out right. with it. Topping. He's <laughs> Martining his mic, folks. Here's the thing. All right. <laughs> okay. okay. I was really upset that fucking Star Trek, our Star Trek, was all fucking pissy about Star Trek Discovery because they're all like, oh, they had a Star Trek gay fucking ensign, and that means that all he's going to talk about is being fucking gay and loving dicks, but that's not the what matters what i care about is that star trek is one of the most inclusive shows of all time and they've never had a gay openly gay character they've hinted at it before with people like garrick and people like other people a garrick yes garrick was supposed to be gay god damn it sarah what? we'll talk this about this on the next geek space nine podcast i'm, drunk, we've not addressed this I'm sorry yet. i have no chill <laughs> god damn it um but garrick was potentially going to be gay. There's other characters in Voyager was going to be gay. It's our first gay character and everyone's all like, he's going to be gay. All he's going to talk about is gay shit. Look, you have the fucking show hasn't come out yet, you super fucking nerds. So just wait till the fucking show comes out. The show matters to people. Diversity matters. It's really cool that the first gay character, openly gay character is on Star Trek for real. And sometimes... Being gay matters to a person's character. I hate people who fucking bitch about fucking Sense8 and that the transgender character, all she talks about is gay. Guess what? Being transgender fucking sucks. And a lot of your life is about being transgender and it's part of your life and it matters. So, shut the fuck up is what I'm trying to say about these things. I think it matters when a gay character is a gay character in a movie. I think it's okay for them to be gay and that their identity is to be gay. I agree. It should be more than that. But a lot of times, just because they're gay and they talk about gay issues, it makes people think that they are shallow characters, which is bullshit. So, that's all I have to say about this rant. 
That's it. I'm drunk. I will probably be very ignorant about this conversation when I listen to it later. This has been Tuscan Shed Media Network. You have been listening to the Movie Game Podcast. Be sure to check out all of our podcasts on TuscanShed.com. Be sure to like and subscribe Movie Game Podcast wherever you find it. It does help us find new listeners. I am very drunk and Pete and Jack will probably never let me record another episode again, but that's fine. That's fine. Because I am in this shit right now. Check us out online. Be sure to love us on TuscanChainMedia.com. We have Animania. We have Geekspace 9. We have Save Point. We have Feast for Bros. We are awesome. Alright, talk to you later, guys. We will discuss something much more reasonable and much less drunk next week with Rogue One. Talk to you later. This has been Movie King Podcast. Goodbye.